Well, good morning, Simon. It's great to talk to you and I'd like to have a quick chat to you about a couple of the projects you've been working on recently. Sounds good. So, could you just give me a little bit of background on your company, please? So, my company is Behavioural Finance Australia, which is a business I set up maybe five or six years ago now. And the idea behind it really is to take the research literature from behavioural finance, the sort of psychology of financial decision making, and saying how can, how can we as an industry, the financial services industry, use it? So how can financial advisors use it? How can major super funds use it? How can asset managers use it? Uh, that, that's really the purpose of the business. Fantastic. And the project that you're working with on a major super fund, can you tell me how that started and, and you know, how that's progressed? Sure. So the background there, I guess, is that the, the, the major super fund has a financial literacy campaign, a pretty well-regarded financial literacy campaign that they've run historically. But what we know from the research literature is that a lot of financial literacy programs, whilst they uh, are well-intentioned and have a lot, often have a lot of good content, well, they often don't lead to people making better financial choices and achieving better financial outcomes. So when you look at those, those, that, that sort of background of, of sort of failed uh, sort of initiatives, I guess that's uh, leading you down a path of saying, well, what can we do differently? We have to do something differently from historically, uh, the approaches we've taken, and that's sort of the genesis of the work there with a the, with the major super fund, asking how can we use this behavioural research to actually get better outcomes for our members. Fantastic. So it's really the key things that are wrong in the delivery and the content that they're, they're pushing out to members. Is that right? Yeah, so I think it's often in, in the delivery part of those, of those uh, aspects. So yes, you need to have good content. But in this case, there is a lot of good content. It's just that uh, the way it's being delivered. To give you an example, I mean, one of the problems that people have is dealing with information overload. If you tell someone one thing, well, they might listen to you. They might actually act on it. If you tell someone 50 things, well, that's going to go to the bottom of their email. Uh, they're probably going to do nothing uh, with that. So we just need to make sure we're getting the right messages to the right people at the right time. That's fantastic because, I mean, some of the things that we've learned at Money 101 is that, you know, they've all got similar content and they're all trying to deal with the same sorts of problems. And, like, people might have, you know, too many credit cards. They may not have enough super. They may be going through a financial crisis or whatever that sort of thing is. But I guess it's about repackaging this to really get to the member. Yeah, I think you're completely right that they're some of the major issues. But if I'm a member who's having difficulty paying off my credit card balance, well, you don't necessarily want to send me the content about contributing to my super because my major priority is going to be paying off my credit card. So if I've got this fantastic content about contributing to super and I've got this content about paying off my credit card and sort of savings behaviour, well, I just need to make sure I'm giving the right content to the right, to the right member with that sort of issue and concern in their life. So there's quite a few problems with the traditional approach to financial literacy. I mean, we, none of us have had the silver bullet, but, but what do you see that as the major problems? Well, one, I guess, is, 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 is that, is just making sure how do we cut the noise and deliver what's personally relevant to people. So, so part of that is understanding people's issues. Part of it is understanding the timing of when things are, are going to be relevant for them. Part of it is actually just being able to articulate why stuff is relevant for them. So sometimes you see content that will say, uh, we have, uh, there's a range of considerations, uh, it might be relevant for you depending on your life circumstances, which is, which is probably right in those cases. It's not, it's not technically wrong, it's just that if I'm the reader and the consumer of that content, how do I know if this is relevant for me? Should I invest time and energy into understanding this thing and doing something about it, 
or is it this is this actually relevant for somebody else? So it's really an apparent paradox, you know, what seems to work doesn't really work. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about a lot of the financial literacy ca- campaigns historically is if you ask people who have been through them and if you ask the creators of them and the people who deliver them, quite often the feedback from those people is very good. Yes, yeah. they enjoyed it, yes they got a lot out of it. The problem is that when you go and measure what's happened, so if you measure the, the, the change in people's knowledge after the financial literacy campaign, when you measure the change in knowledge, it doesn't tend to change that much. When you measure the change in, in their behaviour, it doesn't tend to change that much. When you measure the change in the outcomes, it doesn't change that much. So we really have to help people join the dots between changing knowledge to changing behaviours and changing outcomes. Yeah. So really, you know, I, what, what would be the main things as to why it doesn't work? Well, there's a few things. So one, for example, is that financial knowledge tends to, what psychologists say, decay, which effectively just means people are forgetting. So yeah. I've referred, I've written a book recently, as you're aware, and one of the things, one of the studies I referred to in there was looking at, well, how, uh, how long do people remember information that's been um, provided to them for? And so one hour from recollection, one hour of of content will typically last about five months. After five months, people would tend to have forgotten it. Now, of course, if you give people more than one hour, you should expect a longer benefit. But there's rapidly diminishing benefits of that. So if I want to double the benefit from nine to 18 months, well, I have to quadruple the amount of content I'm giving people. So it has to go from like, I think, from six to 24 hours from memory. And even then, after 20 months, we're still going to get very, very little, if any, uh, if any benefit. So that's one key problem. And that's, that sort of goes to the issue of we just need to give people information in short bursts and we need to give it right near the point when they're going to actually use it right. to try and avoid that yeah. information that, that knowledge decay so it's really behavior is more about is it's more about behavior than it is about knowledge really well i think knowledge is one of the foundations of behavior i mean it can be if i've worked something out then that might lead me to do something but to, I mean, to give a, a simple example uh, one, one that's relevant in a range of contexts for for savings and investing and, and, and credit for example is the power of compound interest so we know uh, interest compounded over a long period of time can, can either compound to a very large debt, unfortunately, yeah, or it can compound sure. to a very large balance. Yeah. Uh, now you can teach people about compound interest, and if you've taught me about compound interest, then maybe I might understand that. That's, that's true. But does that mean I'm now going to pay off my high interest credit debt that I've got outstanding? Or does it mean I'm going to invest in a high interest savings account, for example? Or does it mean that you're not going to buy that dress? Unlikely I'm going to buy a dress. That's, that's a low risk for me, that's true. Um, but, but you're right, these are all the sorts of things of, well, actually me understanding it is, is there's a couple of steps for me to, to take that knowledge and do something with it, which might mean doing some research about what the, the, the alternative investments are, changing my behaviour and, and not, not buying the dress or whatever it is. And so how can we join the dots, I guess, between uh, knowledge and outcome? So I, I, you know, I want to keep this sort of fairly short, but how would you say that super funds can use these insights? Well, I guess one of the easiest ways, well, sorry, not, not necessarily easy to do, but easy to think of and at least sort of work through some of the solutions. One way is to, to have a, a good system of triage. So how do we make sure that we're, we're taking the content and putting it in the right person's hands at the right time? So that might mean let's, we need to understand more about our members. Now, I know uh, as we're getting more, more and better data, super funds will, will understand more about their members, but we can't have sort of broad, we can't just necessarily say, hey, people in this age bucket, they're probably going to need in savings tips, and these people in this age bucket, they're probably going to need contributing to super tips. Well, we probably need more than that. So we need to be asking people, 
what actually are you thinking about doing now? Are you buying a house? Are you thinking about, do you have a credit card debt? Those types of questions so that we can then channel those people through to the right content. But the thing is, the super funds have had this data for ages. I mean, they're always consistently talking about how much data that they can capture and, and you know, you hear this all the time. So, I mean, it, it seems to be a no-brainer, but that doesn't seem to occur. Yeah, and I agree. So it's probably going to be have to have to be something different, which is going to be probably actually asking members what's relevant for them, what's uh, what they're trying to achieve, particularly in the short term. So would something like a you know a social forum work? Yeah. So that's so that's a range of other solutions. So one is giving them the right content. Another one's saying how can we influence them. And the social forum, the idea there, I guess, is that people are highly influenced by not everybody, but in general, people are highly influenced by what other people do. So you can use the, the power of social influence, if you like, to, to nudge people. And one strategy is just telling people what other people are doing when, mm. it's, when it's desirable, of course. And the problem there is that in some cases, funds are actually telling them the undesirable behaviour people are doing. Hey, did you know lots of people have multiple super accounts? Did you know many people don't have enough insurance? Well, that's actually nudging people the wrong way. But if we can use positive social norms, showing them where people are doing the right thing, or these forums, as, you, as you're saying, if we can help them articulate the sort of the stories of, uh, that each of them is experiencing about, I, I tried this saving strategy, I did this, this is how I paid off my credit balance, uh, etc. That's a, a really, potentially a really powerful way to draw out those personal narratives and use the power of social, of social influence. So this project that you've been working on, really you're considering more substantial changes and helping members like you know, the introduction of a triage system, decision-making tools, implementation support, feedback and measurement, and... Uh, that, that's been the uh, process and you've been through a couple of meetings and, and uh, some workshops. Now, what are the next steps that they'll take? Well, what I guess I've provided, I mean, we've talked about the, sort of the tip of the iceberg here, we've had a, a handful of examples, but there's, I don't know, maybe there's say 10 major behavioural issues that can be dealt with across a financial literacy campaign. And so what I've done is go through all of the uh, web pages, all of the articles, all of the FAQs, all of the emails, all of the videos that comprise this entire financial literacy campaign, looking for all of these types of, of strategies. When can we layer and chunk information? And when can we use nudges and social norms and decision-making tools? Fantastic. All of these range of things. And so it, there's not necessarily one right solution for all this sort of stuff, but there's definitely some good options for, for doing this. So on the basis of, of that review and the report then, the fund then has the option of going through and saying, well, for this particular slide or this particular article, well, there might be some easy things we can do, like changing the title, chunking the content into, into smaller categories, splitting the article into smaller pieces, turning it into a video. There's a range of things you can do, and I guess it's then up to them to determine the priorities about, well, do we have enough resources to necessarily turn these things into videos, or can we just change the way the content's delivered and we turn it into a social forum? There's a range mm. of options there depending on what uh, the short-term priorities are. So really, I mean, it's, it's getting a focus, it's starting out with a plan, it's really starting to have a look at some of the behavioural issues and uh, working with the groups and u- using, you know, best practice and, and the experiences you've got. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it, to me it boils down to what is the outcome you're trying to achieve from your financial literacy campaign? Are, are you just comfortable to give people information bearing in mind that that information might not necessarily or probably won't necessarily lead to actions and outcomes? If that's what you're comfortable doing, which has sort of been mm. the traditional approach, then fine, yeah. keep going. But if what you're trying to do is change people's behaviours, their outcomes, their financial well-being, ultimately you need to do some things differently. And so I guess it's like this is a good example of a fund that said, yes, we want to do that. Now can we 
help? Can we identify the ways that we can do that? Well, I mean, I'd certainly welcome your feedback on all of our courses, that's for sure, because the traditional way is not always working and uh, we can see we need to do something different. So, look, thanks very much for your time and uh, that's pretty interesting. Pleasure to speak with you. Thank you.